Morning, friends. Good to see you this morning. Start with a question. How many of you have finished your Christmas shopping? Wow. How many of you have yet to start your Christmas shopping? Ooh, that's close there. Uh, how many of you plan on re-gifting a present this year? Oh, yeah. Good stewardship. I love the re-gifting. Do it. Do it. All right. I love it. Uh, Christmas time, right? It's here. It hardly seems possible. Now, for many here, Christmas is their favorite time of the year, favorite holiday, uh, just all that goes with Christmas. For others, this is a very heavy time of the year in many different ways. And so we've got all of that going on right here, right now. And so as we think about this, uh, we know that holidays can be crazy busy. Got to get everything done like now. Got to go, go, go. Got to get the presents. Got to get them wrapped. Got to get them under the tree. Got to get the house clean. Got to get the decorations made. Got to get everybody ready because to grandmother's house we go. Got to get the meals. Got to get the decorations. Got to do this. Got to do that. It's just one busy time of the year. Instead of being a peaceful time of the year, it can be quite chaotic. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, absolutely. For some of us, it's a time of full-on frustration. And we don't really like Christmas because uh, it's just way too busy. And what's it all about anyway? Financially, many are stressed out. We spend and spend and spend, and January's just right around the corner. We get that, and so are the bills. Uh, We can feel it even as we watch the kids and grandkids unwrap these expensive gifts that cost us so much. And the kid plays with a box and not what's in the box, and they're more fascinated by the wrappings than they are with what is inside. And then we wonder, how are we going to pay for this? Ugh. And some of us here have some really tangled family issues, which are just accentuated by the pressure of holidays. We get that. And we're going to be with family, which feels a lot more like The Simpsons than it does The Brady Bunch. So we're wrestling with all these kinds of things. Where is the peace Where is the peace that should accompany this great news of Jesus coming for us? Where do we find that peace? And so we're going to look this morning at the seventh beatitude. This is a part of our Mountaineering with the Master series as we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount in depth, verse by verse, and kind of listening to the words of Jesus of what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. All right, so if you have your sermon notes, you're welcome to follow along. Here's what Jesus said as recorded in the seventh beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. And we've seen this progression in the beatitudes. It is building And he comes to this point, blessed are the peacemakers, happy, content, satisfied are the peacemakers. So we consider this concept of peace. Peace is certainly an important theme uh, throughout Scripture. In fact, there are over 400 direct references to peace in the Scriptures and hundreds and hundreds more inferences to the concept of peace made in the Bible. And peace is a concept But the wonderful news, I believe the most incredible news, uh, is that peace is a person. Peace is not a concept. 
the Bible portrays peace actually as a person. You know what his name is? Yeah, uh, it's Jesus. We're getting there real quick. Isaiah wrote some 700 years before Jesus would ever walk the earth. He wrote about the coming of the Messiah. And we now know him as Jesus, but here's what Isaiah wrote. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So the Prince of Peace says to those who would follow him, be a part of his kingdom as a part of a characteristic of those who dwell in this kingdom of of the Prince of Peace is that they will be peacemakers. So uh, I think it's necessary then we begin to define some words and understand what's going on here. So we, and we have to ask some questions. Why is a Jesus, the Prince of Peace, sometimes seems to disappear from the normal everyday living of our lives, and especially during the holidays. Where does the Prince of Peace go? Does he hide? Does he take a vacation? Where is the Prince of Peace when life seems most chaotic? Hmm. Let's go back about 2,000 years ago and kind of wind it uh, in some kind of direction here. An angel of the Lord was speaking to some shepherds in a field in the Middle East, and he said, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Bethlehem is a village, it's not a city, please understand it, a very small village. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Keep that phrase in mind. Peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. Peace on earth with those who are pleasing to God. Now, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, but when I think about the birth of Jesus, it doesn't seem to be a very peaceful thing. Would you agree with that? The birth of Jesus was anything but peaceful. What do I mean by that? Well, a teenage girl named Mary finds out she's pregnant, and the father is God. Now, explain that in the cereal aisle of Walmart. Try to get your head around that one, right? It's not peaceful. It's not peaceful. You're pregnant. The Father is God himself. Okay. Fast forward. Joseph and Mary decide to travel cross-country on a donkey, nine months pregnant on a donkey. Anything peaceful about that? I don't think so. I took Cindy to our firstborn's birth in the 1967 Mustang. The floorboards were completely rusted out during the blizzard of 78. That was an adventure. That was an adventure. But it doesn't compare to this ready-to-pop pregnant ride on a donkey, 75-mile off-road experience, up and down, up and down. Okay, so we get this. Not very peaceful. Pull into town. Everything's booked up. Finally, Joseph negotiates a deal with the guy who says, there's no room here, but you can stay in the barn. I would be thinking, how cool. Have the baby in a barn. That's what I always dreamed of, didn't you? Having a baby in a barn? 
Yeah, surrounded by animals, animal poop, animal stuff, animal everything. That sounds really good, right? Not peaceful. So she gives birth with no epidural. Modern American women, no epidural, no peace. It all kinds of goes together. So Jesus is born. Jesus is born. The Prince of Peace enters the planet. God steps into time and space. It's an incredible, incredible, mind-blowing story. Here he comes, but it's not so peaceful. In fact, his arrival started a war. It started a war that continues to this very moment. It's a war in heaven, it's on earth, it's in our homes, and it's in our hearts. If we read Revelation 12, all heaven erupted with this child who was born. Good, evil, Satan, God, wham! All of it culminating in the fact that God steps into the human arena. And that war continues in every home and in every heart right up to this present time. So, here's what the Prince of Peace says, right? He is the Prince of Peace. So here's what he says. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace but a sword. I would just want you to think about that again from him. He is the Prince of Peace. He did not come to bring peace. He came to bring what? What does a sword do? Fights, war, a weapon, absolutely. All those kinds of things. Well, what was he talking about? Not literally a sword, but I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. <laughs> your enemies will be right in your own household. Do not think that I came to bring peace. The prince of peace is saying he did not come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. Anybody wrestle with that concept? How does this work? How does this work? Prince of Peace, not coming to bring peace, but great chaos right in the home. Huh. Huh. Now the word against is found only here in the New Testament. It's the only time it's used as recorded the words of Jesus. It means to cut in two completely and permanently. It is certainly not a peaceful word by any stretch of the imagination. He came, and when he comes, bringing his sword, it's going to chop families right in half, completely and sometimes permanently. Some of you here understand exactly what Jesus is talking about. You see, the war in heaven that erupted when Christ was born can actually create all kinds of conflict with others, and especially those closest to us, and especially those in our own home. Hmm. Happened with my sister-in-law. After coming to Jesus, her husband demanded that there be no Bibles, no going to church, no mention of God in their home at all. Sometimes the division between those who believe and those who don't is painful. Sometimes it's permanent. And you can keep on praying. I hope they come to Jesus. But I'm telling you, when the Prince of Peace says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword, I came to divide completely and permanently. That's what the word means. He's meaning exactly what he said. And God desires that all come to faith. That's his, that's his ultimate will for us. And yet, friends... It's not going to happen with everybody. And he is going to divide homes. Huh. Huh. Prince of Peace, right? Right? 
And so my sister-in-law and her children had to put their lives back together after a devastating divorce. And the ramifications of that still continue to this day. I think of my own father, who did not know Jesus at that time, confused, concerned over my decision to go into the ministry. Why in the world would I leave a lucrative business career to become a minister? John, do you know how much they make? Yeah, I know how much they make. Okay. The gospel that brought me such peace in that moment was separating me from my family. It happened to me almost instantly. When I said, Jesus, you are my prince of peace. Did I tell you, did I remind you that peace comes with a price? Did I remind you of that? Because I'm going to remind you of it a couple more times. Peace always has an incredible price attached to it. So today, few have found peace. Believers often lacking peace, stressed out, little peace, more anxiety, so much tension, too much tension. For Christian marriages, we think like, oh, he knows Jesus, she knows Jesus. This should be a peaceful marriage. (laughs) Where is the Prince of Peace in many marriages? Where is he? Where is he? Financially, many of us make far more money today than we've ever made in our whole lives. And yet there's more financial pressure than ever. Credit cards are maxed out, credit drawn to the limit. We're backed up. There's no room uh, to be generous. Where's the peace in that? And I look then at relational tension. A couple gets in a big hairy fight. They go ballistic and call each other names that embarrass even their own kids. And all of a sudden, they're supposed to have this peace of God. Really? 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 What are we talking about here? Turn on the news. What do we find? We've got car bombings. We've got school shootings. We've got natural disasters. We've got countries at war. And I ask myself, if Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace, the prophesied one, did you fail? Did you mess up? Did you get it wrong? Did your mission not succeed? Ultimately, of course, it depends on how we define peace. What is peace? What is peace anyway? What is it? Because if he's the prince of peace and we don't have a peaceful world and our families are divided, where is peace to be found? What in the world is Jesus talking about with this stuff? Now the Bible uses the word peace in several ways. Here's how the Bible... Now these are some of the various translations of the same word for peace. Now think about this. Rest, safety, trust, freedom from care... But especially the root word when it comes here is wholeness in our relationship with God and others. Wholeness, completeness. That is the biblical definition, is this wholeness or completeness in our relationship with God and others. Now notice it has nothing to do with what's happening on the outside. It has everything to do with what's happening right here. Because that's where he's always aiming is right for our heart. There is where peace takes place. So as we think about this, uh, we got to kind of shift our definition of what peace looks like, at least from God's perspective. Now, we've been conditioned to think of peace as something we pursue. 
Something we pursue, not as something we possess. Because if we understand that peace is a person, this is a person we can possess, we can invite into our lives. His name is Jesus. Peace is not something that we pursue because my life will be a lot more content and free if I just had more peace in my marriage, if I just had more peace in my finance, if I just had more peace at work, if I just had more peace in wrestling with my own soul. And we're missing the point because peace is a person. Peace is a person, and we have been conditioned to pursue peace. And there are some peacemakers in this room, and I feel really bad for you because you're saying peace at any price, and you're rolling over, and you don't know who you are. You don't know where your relationship is because you're just a really nice, peaceful person. That's not at all what we're talking about here. Not at all what we're talking about, okay? Everybody with me so far? Stay with us, stay with us. We think of peace as a place free from fighting. Wouldn't it be nice to finally be in a place where we're stopped fighting everybody and everything all the time? Peace. When real peace is really a byproduct of being in right relationship with God. It's about wholeness and completeness in our relationship with God, which then impacts the way we look at our circumstances. But it's got to start right in order to end right. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, I know your Christmas card might read, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? You ever seen that phrase before? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Where did that come from? Well, this concept is taken from the King James Version of that angelic proclamation that I read for you earlier. Here's what King Jimmy says. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That is not what it says in the original language. That's not what it says in the original language. The NLT is actually more accurate at this point. Peace on earth, okay? Peace on earth, now get this, for all those pleasing to God. That just changes everything. Peace on the earth. Who's the peace for? Believers, right? Jesus' followers. All those who are living a life pleasing God. To God. If we are not living a life pleasing to God, will we know this peace? Not this peace. Not this peace. Keep that thought in mind. Keep that thought in mind. All right? Though this is far more than quibbling about a few words. We're talking about peace on the earth. Will there ever be peace on earth? Of course not. Of course not. We'll unpackage that thought in just a moment. There won't be peace on earth. So what are we talking about? Peace on earth for all those pleasing to God. Huh. There won't be peace on the earth as we understand peace, but there will be peace, wholeness, completeness in our relationship with God, which will make us followers of the Prince of Peace, which will then make us peacemakers. Now, certainly peace is much more than the absence of war or conflict. There are more than 30 wars being fought in the world right now. Always will be, right? Always will be. Jesus himself said, we'll hear, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. All throughout history, wars coming, wars here. The world will be anything but a peaceful place. Why is that? Why is the world anything but a peaceful place? I'm convinced we are without peace because we are without the Prince of Peace. And we can never know peace in the world without outside of knowing the Prince of Peace, and that means that sin is the source of every conflict. Now think about this with me. Before Adam and Eve sinned, was there peace? 
from what you know about heaven in the Scripture, is heaven a peaceful place? That's what I understand from Scripture. Yes. So, in between this period of time, between when Adam and Eve sinned, and when Jesus comes back, the Prince of Peace, and establishes His reign on the earth, uh, there's not going to be peace, because sin is the source of every conflict. Now, you might say, no, nah, it's the way my wife treats me, it's the way my boss treats me, that's the source of the conflict. That has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it, Right? Sin is the source, ultimately, of every conflict because sin has separated us from the giver of peace. It has separated us from the prince of peace, and therefore we cannot have peace. His name is Jesus. Now, I want you to help me understand this. Here's what Jesus said just a few hours before his execution. Okay, Here's what he said. Peace, same word, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. All right. Help me, please, understand this. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So what is he saying here? He's saying, I'm giving you peace, but I didn't come to give you peace. Go ahead. Somebody help me understand this. I did not come to bring peace. My peace I give to you. Okay, I think that's a very good start, Christopher. I would agree with that. So the Prince of Peace says, I'm going to give you my peace. You can't get this from the world. There's no other source for this peace, right? And even though my arrival was not peaceful... In fact, it was filled with conflict. I have a peace, the Prince of Peace, that I can give you. We search for peace in all the wrong places, right? But I'm going to give you a peace that goes way beyond anything you can understand, right? My peace I give to you. My peace, the peace of God. I don't give to you as the world gives. The world is constantly trying to feed us peace, Peace. We'll talk about that in just a moment. What's the world's idea of peace? But Jesus says, uh-uh, uh-uh. My peace I leave with you. Now, how do we get this peace? Are you sure you want peace? Because did I remind you that peace comes with a price? <laughs> Let's see what it costs the Prince of Peace. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Doesn't this sound yummy? That peace that he is offering us cost Jesus his very life, his life blood. Peace always comes with a price. Now the Prince of Peace said, I will take the penalty and I'm going to pay that price. But the only way we can be reconciled with God to know this peace is because of what Jesus did 
for us on that cross. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, that brought us peace, was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Isn't that incredible? And so enduring that incredible sacrifice, he paid the price for you and me. Have you made peace with God? Have you made your peace with God? How do we do that? How do we do that? Come back to that in just a moment. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. This is incredible. This peace is life-changing, but it came at an incredible price as well. Jesus himself being our sacrifice. The peace of God is obtained and maintained through continual communion with the Prince of Peace. And once we are out of communion and fellowship with the Prince of Peace, we will know no peace. That's just the way this thing works. Satan is constantly trying to pilfer the peace out of your life. And he's going to use people and situations to attempt to pilfer the peace right out of you. And it's always a matter of things of the heart, things of the soul. Circumstances we can deal with, but when these things come from in here, uh, that's when the boat starts rocking just a little bit more. Now, in Christ, the peace promises of Scripture are real. And only in Christ are the peace promises real. Okay, I'm not going to put them on the screen. Put them in your sermon notes. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You, God, will keep in perfect peace He said, all who trust in you. Kind of sounds like peace on earth for those on whom his favor rests. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Only with continual communion with the Prince of Peace can we hope to maintain some sense of peace, ongoing, sustained peace in our hearts. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. Once we know this peace, then we can live in this peace. Wholeness, completeness in our relationship. With God. Now, some may be thinking, I really don't know if I have peace with God. You know what? I don't feel, I just don't feel at peace. I'm restless. I'm not content. I really don't get this idea of being at peace. I'm not at peace with myself. I'm not at peace with my family. I'm not at peace with life. I am discontent. I don't know this peace. I don't feel peace. Why? Maybe the one who The only one who can give us peace, the peace that we long for, the peace that we search for, has strategically removed peace from you in order to draw you back to himself as the Prince of Peace. Maybe he has taken the peace out of your life and we're walking around in the state of discontentment with our marriage, with our finances, with life in general because God is attempting to say to us as the Prince of Peace, come home. Come home. Now, some may wonder, have I done too many bad things to be right with God? Could I ever do enough to make things right? 
No, you can't. You can never do enough to make things right between you and God and make your peace with God. I don't care how hard we try. We can't do it. We can't do it. Hmm. So what do we do? How do we get this peace? This peace can't be earned or learned. And religious people try to earn this peace. If I just do more for God, then I can have his peace. Maybe I need to know more about God. Maybe I even need to read the Bible or some other spiritual books about God. Maybe I can find peace uh, as I search for it. And we're missing the point. Peace is a person. And the person has come to us. We don't go and try to find him. God sent him to us. So what do we do here? And that's why Christmas is so incredibly important. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the message of Christmas. It's so simple. It's right there. We take a step of faith. We say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Prince of Peace. I believe that you, because of your action on the cross, have made peace between God and me. And I acknowledge it. I accept that. I believe that. You're the only one who can forgive. You're the only one who can free. You're the only one that can give me the free gift of eternal life. Now, here's what Scripture says. Now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Here comes the Prince of Peace. And he says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. But here comes the Prince of Peace who has brought peace to us by what he has done. Now, the gospel or the good news that we talk about is all about peace. It's wonderful. It's a, ah, outside of God, we have no promise, though, of lasting peace. It only comes in our wholeness, in our relationship with him. In him, we have the peace that surpasses all understanding, God is calling us near to him. He has purchased peace for us. Some of us need to come back to God. Now, God works peace through us only when he has worked his peace in us. That's the idea of being a peacemaker, you see. From peace with God flows the peace of God. And unless our relationship is whole and complete in him, we will not be people of peace. We will be selfish uh, we will be judgmental, uh, we will be hypercritical, uh, we will be insensitive uh, to the needs of others, even though we say we know God, only with the peace that comes from above, only that peace that Jesus gives us. Uh, from that peace with God can flow the peace of God out from us. And I don't know if I ask the people in your life and in your family, are you a person of peace? If I ask your relatives, if I ask your neighbors, if I ask your coworkers, is so-and-so a person of peace? What would they say? Complaining, whining, negative, critical? Or are we people of peace who have the character of the Prince of Peace lived out through us? Are we peacemakers? And what I understand Scripture to say is we have this relationship with God. The peace of God will naturally flow from us. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and invites us to become peacemakers. He said, blessed 
are the peacemakers. Now let's think about this as we wrap this up. The Bible begins in this really peaceful place called the Garden of Eden. The Bible ends then with a place of peace called heaven. Now, in between this time, it's not so peaceful. We've got peace symbols. We've got peace talks. We've got peace treaties. We've got a lot of blah, 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 blah about peace. Peace on earth, right? Can't we just all get along, right? Uh, And we still don't have peace. We still don't have peace economically, racially, socially, in our families, or in our personal lives. Our best efforts only produce this truce. Our best efforts at peace only produce a truce. It's a temporary ceasefire. It's a temporary ceasefire. Understand this. If we are pursuing peace so our lives can be free from conflict, our best efforts will only produce a truce, a momentary, uh, limited time, a temporary ceasefire, either internationally in our peace negotiations, or individually as we attempt to bring peace into our lives. But really, it's just a cold war waiting for the fighting to start again. And in your marriage, if you are pursuing peace in your marriage, minus this equation of the Prince of Peace bringing this in, we will only have a truce. It's a temporary ceasefire. But we all know little spark that's going to set this whole thing off, and here we go again. Next round, bring it up. And around and around we go, and we wonder, where is peace? So little peace. How do I get this? Where do I find it? I long for this. He is the Prince of Peace. I want more peace. Peacemaking is all about restoration and reconciliation and conflict resolution according to the teachings of Jesus. Now, we'll discover that uh, as we dive deeper into this series on the Sermon on the Mount in our Mountaineering with the Master series, so stay tuned because we're going to look at some passages that tell us how we live this thing out. But we have to start with the right foundation, and that is having a complete and whole relationship with God. He is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace gives peace, not as the world gives, but that peace is always, always extravagant and expensive. It's pricey. It's pricey. So I leave us with the words of peace and promise from the babe of Bethlehem, who we know is the savior of the world, the prince of peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, when everything is ready, I will come and I'm going to get you so that you will always be with me where I am. This is the promise from the Prince of Peace. I want to be in that place where he is. I want to know that peace in a sustainable and an intentional way. Not this fleeting moments where my life is free from clutter and conflict, but this sustained peace of God that the Prince of Peace said, commune with me, and this peace is always available. Hmm. Hmm. So you find yourself a long way from home this morning? Maybe you need to come home for Christmas. You need to admit that to God. My life is anything but peaceful. Huh. Ask God to forgive the sins that have taken you so far from him then we confess, we agree literally that Jesus died on the cross for your forgiveness. 
paying the price for your punishment, that he rose again from the dead to make a new way of life for you. He waits, the Prince of Peace waits with arms open, anyone who would come because he is the Prince of Peace. And he says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. You're going to know peace. I don't know about you, I'm tired of fighting. I get so tired of fighting. And life can be like one uphill battle of constant tension and fighting. Jesus calls us to a different way to look at life and a different way to live our lives because he is the Prince of Peace. Now, well beyond the, the traditions of Christmas in this country, uh, beyond the ho-ho-ho and deck the halls and I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus and all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth and silver bells. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. It's not a Norman Rockwell painting. It's not a Thomas Kincaid portrait. It's nothing like that. It's not a reindeer named Rudolph. It's not even peace on earth. That has nothing to do with this. Nothing. I tell you the truth about Christmas. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So when the psalmist says, seek peace and pursue it, peace is a person. We don't pursue peace. We pursue the Prince of Peace. We turn, and he's waiting. He's waiting for us to come home. The Prince of Peace acknowledging the fact we lack peace, saying to us, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. My peace. That sounds like a sweet deal, doesn't it? Sounds like a real sweet deal to me. Pursue the Prince of Peace. That's where we'll find peace that surpasses all of our circumstances. All this outward stuff that life is made of. It's always going to happen. It's always going to happen. But why does it knock us off our feet so often? Why does the peace just kind of evaporate when that happens? This peace that passes our understanding, peace that will never leave, peace that will never change because Jesus never changes. Peace with God, whole relationships with God, with others. Wow, wow, wow. That's the gift of Christmas for all of us. My peace. My peace. I leave. I give. If we will but say yes. Let's take a moment and think about this. What is the Lord saying to us about peace this morning? Let's pray together, church.
Father, I'm grateful for the friends you've gathered here today. Each of us comes in here a bit weary and haggard from the busyness of this time of the year. Thank you for just a moment in which we can kind of catch our breath, be reminded again. And for some here this morning, uh, this is a difficult time. Perhaps the first Christmas without someone very near and dear to us. For others of us, we come and we confess that our lives really aren't so peaceful. And maybe on the outside, it looks that way. But there's this restlessness, discontentment that you know all about. And Prince of Peace, we uh, acknowledge that you are the only one who can make our lives right with the Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for the blood that you spilled. Thank you for the love that you show us. Thank you for the mercy and forgiveness you extend to us. Thank you for understanding us and our restlessness right now. You know all about that. And yet you have said that there is a peace that is way beyond what we can understand. That there is a peace that's not waiting for us in heaven that's available right now. And we want that per perfect peace that you've told us about when we fix our thoughts and our attention and our focus on you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so, Father, would you take the fear from our hearts and replace it with a freedom that comes from knowing the Prince of Peace. Thank you. And Father, we're all in different places spiritually in this room. And for each of us, I ask that you would be drawing us deeper into your heart. Perhaps there's some here that don't, uh, haven't yet acknowledged the fact that you are the Prince of Peace. I pray that wrestling would come to an end this morning. And by faith, by faith, Lord, there would be a new birth. And for those of us that walk with you, O oh, restless heart, I pray for the peace of God to fill you as we pursue the Prince of Peace. So thank you, Jesus. Show us what it means to live this out this week so that indeed we can be peacemakers in a world of conflict and pain and sorrow. We love you, Lord. Thank you again for just a moment to catch our breath. Thank you for my friends. 
as we attempt to live our lives in a manner pleasing to you and find that peace that you promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.